Hi everybody, it's Craig from the University of Applied Research and Development here for our very first Leaders Podcast with Dr. Maureen. We're delighted to have you with us, Maureen. Thanks so much, Craig. It's great to be here. Hi, look, I'm, I'm excited really, to be the first one, actually. You, we couldn't have any better to be our very, very first. And I'm excited because you've launched your book this year amidst all the chaos around the world, a year of resilience, 52 ideas to be more resilient and stay afloat throughout the year. So I'm quite excited to hear about that as well. So why don't you tell us about what you do with your training and leadership and management and resiliency. Tell us about your role and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Craig, I am the founder and CEO of the Workplace Learning and Performance Group. We've been in business 11 and a half years. I actually launched my business in January of 2009 in the middle of the global, uh, it wasn't a pandemic, it was just a global recession. And uh, so this seems oddly familiar to me, actually, because <laughs> when I launched my business, the economy was uh, in a bad place. And now, uh, a little over a decade later, the economy, and even worse, is in a very challenging place. Uh, but what we do with the Workplace Learning Performance Group is we design and develop and deliver leadership training. We work with organizations like Boeing, uh, Ethiopian Airlines, Sony, and uh, Microsoft. We've worked with some very large organizations and we've worked with small organizations and associations, really helping leaders to develop their skill of communication, managing diverse teams. And overall, I think when you're looking at leadership, communication, and diversity, you can't help but if you do it well, you can't help but develop both resilient leaders and resilient organizations. It's really interesting that you bring up uh, about resiliency and building resilient leaders. I'd love for you to share with us about your model of resiliency. Absolutely. Well, there's a few things I've been working on, and, and resilience is just a passion of mine. And I think in many ways, because as, as the psychiatrists say, as you teach what you know, right? Life has not always been easy for me. I uh, was a single mother of three and the sole provider, the primary provider for my family for the last 15 or so years. And um, so life hasn't been easy. And at the same time, I think we could either fall victim of circumstance or we can be a victor in, in circumstances. And as I've done corporate training and leadership development for many, many years, the constant theme that I've noticed is the fact that people do have a choice in how we respond to situations. So the book I wrote, which you mentioned, it's called A Year of Resilience. It's uh, 52 Ideas. Really, interestingly, was published in February of 2020, before everything hit that proverbial fan, as we say. And uh, had I realized quite how uh, prescient a year of resilience was going to be, I might have buckled up a little bit more. But um, the, the book itself is just a simple book with 52 different ideas, kind of uh, geared to having people look at one concept per week throughout the year to build their resilience. Because I, I do like to say that resilience is not automatic. We have to take purposeful action in order to, what I say or call, stay afloat. And the reason you might see this little duck here in the background is that I build a model around the concept that ducks aren't hatched waterproof. 
I used to call uh, the next book I'm working on, I used to call it Even a Duck Can Drown. But the feedback I got was that was kind of dark, pretty negative (laughs) title for a book on resilience. (laughs) I gave it much thought and reframed that model and the concept to stay afloat. Because really the basics is that um, ducks, they are not hatched waterproof. You see little baby ducks, they're cute and fuzzy. And then you see the mother duck is sleek and shiny. And the difference between the two, of course, is the oil that's on their feathers. So I've actually gone through quite a bit of research. I've talked to scientists and experts on how ducks get their waterproofing, if you can imagine. And then translate that to what can we learn from nature about how to stay afloat, how to be more resilient. And the concept that uh, the scientific word that we use for that is biomimicry, right? How do we mimic nature? And there's so many things we can learn. And the model that I've kind of stuck with is ducks because it's pretty cute and everyone around the world can relate to that yellow rubber duck. But if the model has six key elements, and the first element is that of connection. Like the, the mother duck actually preens and puts oil on the baby duck's feathers before they go out into a pond or before they go out into the water. And then she monitors their exposure to water. The lesson we take from that is that we need each other, right? You can't be resilient alone. Right. We people are creatures of connection. We need each other. We need to support each other. There are often problems that we can't solve alone. We have to have someone else to help us you know, mend a fence, for example. Here, you hold that and I'm going to nail it in or what have you. Or have a difficult conversation and deal with some painful issues. Sometimes it's better with someone else than trying to struggle through on our own. So the lesson we take from the ducks is that the mother duck preens the baby duck, she prepares them, and then she monitors their exposure to water. That connection is really what helps those baby ducks. It's why we don't see drowned baby ducks all over the world, because nature is at work and helping them to stay afloat. The next couple of aspects are kind of joined together in, in the fact that Baby ducks actually don't develop their capacity to have their own oil till they become an adult, which is about three or four months old. They develop what's called a preening gland. And I'll use my duck for a little sample here. The preening gland is at the base of the tail, right at the top of their back here, kind of the base of their tail. And so you'll see ducks out in nature picking at themselves. It's not like a monkey that's eating bugs or anything. What they're doing is they're taking oil from this printing gland. It's a sack of oil, but they take that oil and then they apply it to their feathers, every single feather, every single day. And that oil and water mixture helps them to be able to float on the water. Wow. It's, so it's interesting. A lot of people don't even know that a duck can drown, right? <laughs> they just see ducks out in nature and assume that they can. But I actually use oil as a concept of kind of this life pre- preserver, that it's a metaphor for what we can do. And especially with this pandemic, you've seen so many people around the world pivoting and changing. What they're doing is they're learning new things. They're learning new ways to adapt and Maybe they're taking classes or lessons or they're developing a new skill. Just like the ducks develop oil, 
developing that one skill, developing yourself is one thing, but then applying that skill is another, right? And if you've been in learning and development or teacher for a long time, you know that you can teach some, someone a skill, but if they do nothing with it, then, that, then it just goes to waste. Just like the oil is the, the skill that's been developed and then applied. That's what helps us be more resilient and to stay afloat. So that's half the model right there is those three key concept, concepts that we take from, from just simply ducks learning to or being having the capacity to stay afloat. The rest of the model, do you want to hear about the rest of the model, can Craig? I, can I just check? Number one is connection. Number two is, is it preening? Develop, well, development. Developing the oil. Yep. And then the third one is application. Application. Yes, it's yeah. called preening, but I break it into development and application. Because they are two separate concepts when it comes to human behavior, right? And human development. Right. Good. So connection, development, application. Then when we look at what's interesting is that um, well, you see them swimming across the water, right? They're cool, calm, and collected on top. Underneath, what are they doing? They're paddling their feet off, right? And so we often actually hear from uh, Angela Duckworth, interestingly, uh, has a book on grit and tenacity. She talks a lot about grit and tenacity. And people think grit is resilience. I like to say that it takes more than grit stay afloat. Because grit is one important concept within resilience, but it's not the only thing, as you've already seen with half my model. But grit is an important part of uh, resilience. So that grit, tenacity, kind of represented by that duck floating across the water, but underneath, man, they're paddling their little feet off to get across the pond. And, and so the lesson we take from that is, yes, we do need grit and tenacity in order to, uh, to stay afloat, to keep doing what we need to do. But grit's not the only thing, right? It is an important concept. The next two aspects, though, are a little bit different. In fact, I, was, I had developed this model and kind of a proof of concept. I chatted with a scientist from SeaWorld here in San Diego a few years back, and I said, I want to I verify that, yes, even a duck can drown. And he said, yes, but not just baby ducks. He said, adult ducks can drown too if they don't have access to clean water. If they have a dirty and unhealthy environment, they will become, it's called mottled. They, they look like they've been beat up. They've got feathers sticking out all over the place. They're not sleek and shiny anymore. It means their health is at risk and they have lost their capacity to be waterproof. So they could drown even as an adult duck. Or you see in some emergency situations, if a, an oil tanker has gone down and there's oil in, in the ocean, animals get soaked with oil and that also right, endangers their health. So a clean and healthy environment is, is good for the ducks, help them stay afloat. For us, what do we learn from that, right? health and balance, exercise, rest, eating well, all of the things that the experts say, oh, you need to do this. Well, we really do, right? We really do need to take care of ourselves. Otherwise, we can lose our capacity for resilience because we'll get pulled into depression or just lethargic and not want to exercise or eat right. And so we can very easily slide into 
the wrong side of resiliency. So that's the I've fifth got, aspect. I've got connection, development, application. Is number four grit? Mm-hmm. Okay. Grit or work or tenacity, grit and tenacity. Number five is balance. Balance. Right? Okay. Balance. Balance to me is representative of the environment, how we take care of ourselves, what we need to do. We do need, that's why I say it takes more than grit to stay afloat because you can work yourself to death. How many people have done that over the years, right? You do need balance. You need rest. So forth. The last concept in the model is intuition or instinct. I think that's underrated, isn't it? Intuition and instinct and being able to recognize that when you're working in an area, you often get these epiphanies or ideas or you feel strongly something should happen. But maybe we need to have a 25-point list of why we should do that first. But it's a powerful gift, this instinct thing. Yeah, instinct or intuition is sometimes I think people dismiss that. I sometimes call it the voice in my head. But And I've asked thousands of people this question when I'm presenting this content is, what happens when you ignore the voice in your head? By and large, what people have said is nothing good, right? To me, that voice in your head that's telling you you should take action or you should stop or whatever that instinct or that intuition is telling you, we need to listen to that because I think it's communicating with us. The duck analogy is ducks are hang out up north, right? They like to be up in Seattle or Alaska or where Canada, where have you. I'm in the U.S., so I have U.S., um, you know, North American references. But once it starts to get cold, it starts to snow, what do they do? They fly south. In fact, I live on a lake here in San Diego, and every fall, every winter fall, the Canadian geese come and hang out at this lake, right? Because San Diego weather is 72 and sunny all year long, or so our Chamber of Commerce says. <laughs> but the message is, is that the ducks have the instinct. They know that the weather has changed and it's time to fly south. And so for us, in fact, I, I like to think of the pandemic as weather has changed, Right. Will our world be permanently different? Will it be temporarily different? Nevertheless, whether it's permanent, temporary, or some blend of the two, which I believe it's going to be a blend of the two, I don't think we're ever going back to whatever normal used to be. Um, the, the lesson for us, though, is the weather has changed and what are we doing differently? kind of comes back to that full circle of, I know for me personally, I've had a huge change in my business. Those large contracts with those large companies, they are changing how they do training. They, are, they have cut training, for example. And so I'm doing more consulting. I'm doing more online training. I'm also taking care of myself more. My partner and I, we bought a boat recently. We've been on the water a lot. Just kind of taking that balance piece, that rest and relaxation, because it's really important that we, that we do that, right? But the weather has changed, and as a result, our own priorities can change if we pay attention to 
the messages that are around us. So for me, the, the model is circular in nature, right? Because, and it doesn't say, it just says, well, come aboard here, right? But the model is circular in nature because once we come full circle, we can, we can start again. I mean, for how many people are talking about how they've reconnected with their families, their colleagues, their friends, and that relationship are now so very important. Um, or they're remembering how important these relationships are. And they're a, they're yeah. a tool for us as we build our resilience. So you train hundreds and hundreds of people every single year, thousands of people. You've written your book. You've been in corporate training. You're an adjunct um, faculty member at University of California in San Diego. So you get to see lots of different people at different leadership levels and aspiring leaders as well. Just in the last couple of minutes, I'd love for you to share some tips for aspiring leaders that would help prepare them in moving into leadership into a leadership role? That's a fantastic question, Craig. And, and the, I think the most important thing I would share to aspiring leaders is that it's not about them, right? Leadership is not about me and how important I am and how much money I make or how many people I manage. It's, leadership is about relationship. And if you take the time to get to know your team, your people, whether it's one or a hundred that you manage, it's got to be about the relationship between you and your employees, you and your team. It's not about you. You are, if you would, you're a vessel, right? You're a vessel for communicating and facilitating. I think the best leaders are facilitators, right? That they know that it's about managing the process not a checklist that you're going to be doing as a leader. And as a result, the skills you need to develop are those proverbial soft skills, which are really the hardest skills of all. Skills of relationship development, communication, getting out of your own way, right? What's your emotional intelligence? And how do you truly manage? Can you still get them on board and build a coherent team? Yes, you can if you're open to feedback and if you're open to building those relationships. Dr. Maureen, I'd love for you to hold up your book one more time for us so we can see it. People can look for it on Amazon and in the show notes, what I will do in the description is make sure we have a link to the book as well. I want to thank you so much for giving us your time in your evening in the States. Thank you very much. Wish you all the best. Thank you. Likewise, Chris. The best of success to you you and the university that you're developing and uh, may be absolutely successful in building lives and, and creating learning opportunities. 